2: shop now in store or online Kroger fresh for everyone This is the Jabberjaw podcast network
3: Hello everybody I'm talking to you. Hey, Jeff, that's driving the car. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking to you. Or what about you, Chris, who's running on a treadmill? Or how about you, Kate? Kate, yes, I'm speaking to you, who's doing your homework right now. But I I don't know why I'm calling you individuals out, but uh, I just wanted to welcome you in. And plus, I wanted to freak you out a little bit. (laughs) Anyways, I'm your host, Ray Harkins, and this is the show called 100 Words or Less, in which I speak to a person who has been involved in independent music in some way, shape, or form, from playing in bands, working at record labels, or just being highly involved in the scene, so to speak. And uh, today is obviously no exception, because I would be doing a very bad job if I brought a person in who had no idea what any of this was. It'd be a terrible interview, right? But the guest this week is Jasmine White-Glutes, and she plays in a band called No Joy, who is... Quite incredible, if uh, you ask me. Uh, they've got a lot of full-lengths out, uh, releasing some stuff on Top Shelf with a EP coming, I think at some point in the summer, and uh, just a really, really good band. And she's been in my life for quite some time, but uh, her and I have never really spoke <laughs> until this podcast, and it was a uh, very, very fun experience. But I got some uh, observations and business things to get out of the way initially, and then we'll dive into our conversation with Jasmine, and you will become more educated on what it is that she has going on. But first... There will be no friendversation this month. I know for those of you that are looking for the one episode a month that kind of dives into a, you know, maybe do a little left turn, just the more casual conversation. I'm not doing that this month. Basically, I've got a boatload of episodes that I want to get to you. And sometimes I feel bad when I record an episode in one month and then like three months later, I release it. So I don't want to do that to these people. So I'm kind of getting through some of these. So, uh, yes, you're not going to be getting that but you'll be getting a bunch of rad interviews cuz June seems to be a, a really heavy month as far as uh, you know high profile people people that have a really devoted fan bases and so I'm excited to bring all those to you but uh I also wanted to speak about a, I have a different relationship with shows I've been uh, noticing this recently cuz realistically I don't think I've been to a show in maybe a, a month or so um and it feels weird because now I'm at the point where it's like I'm making really deliberate decisions like At the Drive-In played. I didn't go see them. Refused played. I didn't go see them. And it's partially just because I've seen these bands before. I've seen them reunited. At the Drive-In, I didn't see you reunited. But I I just my my interest wanes in seeing that sort of stuff again and again and again. And I don't mean that in a bad way, like, oh, I'm becoming old and jaded. Oh, I've seen it. I've been there. I've done that. But it's really hard to replicate a feeling of, like, I'll use At the Drive-In. It's like, and I'm not saying this to brag or be cool, but I just saw them in a (laughs) living room in Long Beach, California, right before In Casino Out came out. And it's like, how am I, how's that experience going to be any different or even better than I see them now in front of like 2,000 people, you know? So I definitely have to kind of keep that in mind. And so I I just want to, I put the question out to you. Do you... Does your relationship with going to live shows change over time? I mean, obviously it does because, you know, we all have millions of different obligations as we grow older. But I just want to put it out there for sake of discussion because I feel uh, I feel a little conflicted about it. The second thing, you need to go to Sound and Fury. So for those of you that are unaware of a music festival here in Southern California called Sound and Fury, myself and my really, really good friend Joey Cahill put it on for – about three or so years, and now a, the original owners of the festival are putting it on again. It's this weekend, so it's like June 10th and 11th. I want to say I could be getting the dates wrong, but it's Friday, Saturday, in downtown Los Angeles at the Regent Theater. And you should go. Like, let's let's be honest. There's really nothing more special than this festival to me. I mean, partially just because I have a very long-running history with it, but I just think it's an incredible thing because people love coming to Southern California. I love the vibe of hardcore shows out here, and this festival is basically an embodiment of that. So go to Sound and Fury. There's very few tickets left, so you should hop on it if you have been lazy and haven't bought one yet, but go to Sound and Fury because I will be there. And you can, if you see me there, you'll be like, hey, hey, I like your podcast. And you be like, hey, thanks, I appreciate that. I'll give you a high five and i also had a really really fun experience this weekend in playing some music with my friends in taken and we finally finished writing an ep and we're gonna be recording it at, uh, sometime in september that's what i'm hoping and then hopefully we'll be releasing it early next year it was just so much fun to take a trip down memory lane and really be creative with people who you've been creative with in so many different capacities but especially obviously in the context of of the band so anyways that was super super fun so uh, yeah for those of you that uh, care about taken We're putting out some new music. So there you go. But you didn't come here for this. You came here for my conversation with Jasmine White Glutes, who is the lead vocalist and guitarist for the band No Joy, released some full lengths on Mexican Summer Records, and are just a great indie rock band they have elements of the whole shoegazy thing but then they also have punk involved and then they also have some really really cool influences that basically set them apart from a lot of the other bands uh that you know maybe could be lumped in the same category but uh she's an incredible person she has led a very interesting life and has a really cool day job just i had to have her on the show and this is what transpires so here's our discussion and i will speak to you after this
1: show is over
3: Like, so I'll, this will be, I wouldn't say long and convoluted, but you'll, I'll trace it all back where, so you appeared on one of my uh, friends' podcasts, uh, Matt Pryor from the Get Up Kids. Yeah. And I was listening to it and I was like, dude, I know, I know this person. Why do I know this person? And then once I, I mean, obviously once I I saw the name and I said, oh my gosh, like, I know, obviously your sister Elisa well because of my work at century media and then once i traced it all back to where it's like oh my gosh like i remember you knew one of my good friends who was a co-worker at century media that guy stacy Buchanan. if i'm not yeah. yes <laughs> yes so, so but it was just so funny because basically you've existed in my life since like early 2000s but we haven't we haven't spoken really until like the past year so yeah
0: it's really funny it's really funny <laughs> And it's true. Yeah. There's like so many different ways that we could have met by now, but like we, we've dodged each other somehow totally. until now, until but now.
3: I, I do think there is some weird, um, I I've actually traced it to where it's like, I think if you've been involved in independent music for like seven years, mm-hmm. you basically know everybody. Like yeah. you're just one person removed from everybody.
0: <laughs> That's true.
3: Yeah. <laughs> but the... The thing, uh, and we're recording, by the way, so don't, uh, you know, if there's anything, uh, if there's anything I run across that you don't want to talk about, we'll obviously <laughs> skip over that. But generally speaking, I don't go anywhere that um, makes people feel uncomfortable, so. <laughs> okay. What if I do, though? What if I... Then, if I... <laughs> then that is completely fine, and you just be like, okay. Ray, I don't want to talk about that. And I'll say, you know what? No problem whatsoever. <laughs> okay. No problem. <laughs> Even though you... Because your sister came on this thing, like, maybe two years or so ago, um, mm-hmm. and she got, she got pretty real. I was actually... Um, uh, impressed at how she was speaking about uh, her depression and, and anxiety that she was feeling when, um, you know, she was like towards the end of her time in the agonist and stuff. So, yeah, but that's not why we are here to talk about your <laughs> sister. Um, the, uh, I was, I was also impressed obviously by the fact that, I mean, you, not only you and your sister, obviously pursuing, um, you know, very different musical careers, but obviously both connected to independent music. Um, and the it strikes me that you came from such a creative family is that is that the case
0: yeah yeah i think uh, yeah totally um my mom was very into music and always had music around the house and never like i don't know it was always around, it was always around so she would always be playing david bowie or tom petty or led zeppelin and my my father was always like pretty pretty thrifty so he would always find like oh i just found this cheap you know casio keyboard and like so we'd always have like a bunch of kind of junky musical equipment around and there's a lot of at least it will kill me if this ever gets out but there's a lot of like footage of us jamming when she's like three and i'm seven or something uh-huh. um and uh she was on the drums nice <laughs> and uh, so we were always just like playing around with stuff but it was a very creative household and like the the goal was like always just to be able to like do whatever you wanted to do and there was never like um definitely not like a household where they they had goals like parents had goals set out for you ahead of time like they weren't hoping we were going to be accountants or anything so Mm -hmm. it just sort of kind of worked out but yeah it was always like we had video cameras that we played around with and, and neither Lisa or I are like very technically trained we just always had stuff at our disposal so whether it was like vinyl that when you're 10 years old you're like whoa this is weird what is this (laughs) or like you know like a casio keyboard or a guitar drum set like we just always had stuff around so we we were always playing with stuff and playing around with stuff
3: right no that's very um it's funny because i I totally attribute that sort of lifestyle to Uh, montreal in general (laughs) <laughs> Where it's like the uh, all the times that I ever like went up to Montreal and played and um, just kind of got to know people around there. It seemed like, generally speaking, obviously because it's a very um, you know young people slash student based <laughs> city, yeah, yeah. That it's very uh, yeah, it's very open. And people are just encouraging passions.
0: Yeah, it's it's also yeah, it's very inexpensive also because um, when you actually have to pay a lot of rent or you have to. Um, you, when you have a lot of other expenses, you don't always have time to like, <laughs> you know, p- put your money towards some stuff that's like maybe more your creative passion. But yeah, I don't know. We we it just is a I don't know. It's like kind of free free loving city where you can be an artist and like find a way to make it work.
3: Mm-hmm. You know? Well, I think that, I mean, and the reason I attribute that, too, is because obviously, you know, you have your uh, such a wide palette of music, everything from, you know, Arcade Fire and Godspeed, You Black Emperor, uh, mm-hmm. all the way to obviously the huge metal scene that exists there with like Cryptopsy yeah. and all those bands. It's like, how how does this happen? Like, you know, you generally speaking, you can point to most major metropolitan areas in the States and obviously you have a lot of bands that are from different genres, but it seemed like there was this really unique strain of just like, we are going to, we're going to do whatever the hell we want.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think I always kind of, I always think it's because there's so many people from out of town that move here. So there's always people coming in, for school or coming because it's inexpensive. So they want to live here for a year or something. So there's this, it's like a melting pot of people from different places and they all bring in their kind of outside influences. Um, so you don't like have like a distinct Montreal sound because a lot of the stuff that's exported quote unquote from here, they're not actually from Montreal, but they, they had their creative development while they were here. So I feel like it's, it's, yeah, it's just like a big melting pot from people that are passing through, but often people don't stay <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's when they move to like New York or LA or something where if, if they become like super pro, but yeah, I think it's just like a spot where you're, you're able to live on the cheap or like find a job that just like you can kind of do your creative stuff on the side as well.
3: Mm-hmm. So you were, uh, from, from your family structure, you were first on the scene, right? You were the, the, the first born.
0: Yeah. First on the, first on the family scene. Right, babies. <laughs> Yeah.
3: Um, and, um, the, and then obviously yeah. you have, you have uh, Elisa as your younger sister. And then yeah. do you, do you have any other siblings?
0: We do. Yes. There's a little brother named Bram. He's not little. He's 25, but right. I still refer to him as little, yep. um, who I believe has taken, the approach that like everyone was like oh well the other two do music so what do you got and then he's just like went into business and like likes numbers and financial stuff so he he's not doing creative stuff but i know he could if he tried but right he doesn't
3: <laughs> right he was like yeah. well it's funny because i'm sure when you see your older siblings uh, that are doing these, uh, you know, in, whatever interesting things. And you're just kind of like, but I need to zig while they're zagging. I guess yeah. It's,
0: <laughs> it's kind of like, re- like a weird reverse rebellion where it's like, you can just play music and tour. And he's like, I actually want to go to school all the time and I want to work with numbers and like Excel sheets and whatever. And like, I don't even actually know what he does, right. <laughs> but it's like, he, he went totally like academia route. Um, so yeah, he's I guess he's rebelling against us,
3: <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and it, it's from what I understand of of your uh, you know upbringing is that you guys lived I mean obviously like you said a very free and artistically uh, creative lifestyle, um, but your your household was generally speaking pretty uh, happy as far as um, you know you guys not a, a ton of turmoil and strife within the context of uh, you getting along with your parents and stuff like that.
0: No, no, not a, like. Not at all.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> there was never any, like, I remember one of the stories that I, I kind of referenced is like in high school, I skipped school once to go see Corn.
3: Oh, uh, so, such a good decision.
0: <laughs> uh, with Incubus is the opening act. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I skipped school, but I told my mom, I was like, I'm leaving. I really have to see this show. And uh, the school called her being like, you know Jasmine is not here right now um, she skips school and I was like I know she's going to see a show she wants to see show really badly like lay off so like my mom was always it's not that she was um, not disciplining but she she was more of like I don't know more of a friend so we never really she was on my level so we, we never had any disagreements and like that was kind of the way the, the household was I was just we were just all was pretty chill all mm-hmm. together
3: And and did you, uh, like, did you kind of uh, set forth uh, under whatever rules that your parents, you know, may or may not have had? Like, did you kind of abide by them? Like, did you listen to your parents when they were like, hey, you know, Jasmine, be home by 10 or whatever? Like, did you kind of follow along?
0: I think maybe I was a loser because I don't remember them ever saying, like, (laughs) be home by this time. I think I just was. (laughs) I think I just, like, went home. Right. So maybe, maybe. Maybe Elisa was cooler, so maybe she has, like, re- like stories where she rebelled a bit more. But personally, I don't remember ever thinking, like, got to get home. It's my curfew. I don't think they ever set a curfew, mm-hmm. but they were just more like – they were always kind of like, if you're in trouble or if you're out late and you can't find a way home or you don't know where you are, just call us. We'll come get you. So I always knew they were – they would never get mad. They always just wanted me to be safe in whatever I was doing. But I think more likely I was just a loser so I was just at home early anyway (laughs) right
3: (laughs) I mean obviously we can jokingly reference that, (laughs) that you were you were a loser but like did you as you were kind of you know developing an identity and going through uh you know junior high and high school like did you feel like that sort of uh you know outsider loner uh archetype or was it like well no I just had like my two friends that I hung out with and that's
0: it I had, a, I, I had a group of uh, friends that I'm still friends with, a group of six of us that we we were friends since seventh grade and now we're still best friends all together. Um, so I had like a solid peer group. So because I had a pretty good group that I spent my entire like adolescence with, I was a little oblivious to what other people were doing, I think, because um, we just always had each other. So I never really had any moments where like I went somewhere and I didn't have a friend. But... Most of the time, I was spent hanging out with that group, or I was going to shows, and sometimes, sometimes I just met people at like punk shows. <laughs> I made friends that I would see at school, and then I had friends that I would go see at shows after. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I never really felt isolated or anything like that. It was just like nobody else in my school really went to to shows of the size that I was going to, um, except like my friend Gneet who also knew Stacy Buchanan. That's where we all the story all. Uh-huh.
1: So, <laughs> God, that's, a,
3: that's what goes
0: full circle <laughs> yeah there you go
3: <laughs> interesting so, so did you so was it um did you feel like you were uh having these kind of two separate lives in a certain way where it's like obviously you showed up to school and you had your your school friends and then you would go away and go to these weird you know punk shows and people would your friends at school would have no idea what you were doing
0: yeah sometimes sometimes they would think that and then that, yeah they there would be like just we would have all these other Friends that would be. I mean, it got to a point where we would be like 16, but then we would have friends who were in touring bands. So it, it became sort of like when you tell people that when you're like, "Oh, I'm going to go see my friend. He's in a band. He tours." It sounds kind of weird, <laughs> you know, if you're just like a young kid that like has a bunch of friends that tour. But um, that just. It didn't seem, It seems weird now when I say it, but it didn't seem weird at the time.
3: Right. Well, yeah. I, th- I definitely think that's. <laughs> I think that's. <laughs> a, I think that's symptomatic of, uh, you know, the scene that we were raised in. Because, like, I, I can distinctly remember. It's like, you know, I was definitely always the flop house, uh, even when I was living <laughs> with my parents. And like, yeah. I, I, I still remember. Uh, like there was the uh, that that band Killswitch Engage, uh, yeah. But this was actually uh, the so the old vocalist uh, Howard Jones he used to sing for this band called Blood Has Been Shattered. Anyways, regardless, like huge dude, and I just remember it was like you know these were like essentially adults to me, so they were in their you know mid twenties staying with me, an eighteen year old, and like I remember my mom walking down in the morning knowing that people were staying there, but like mm-hmm. here is these adults. Lift, lifting these like <laughs> essentially they were these weights that my parents had in the living room and they were just like lifting weights casually and my mom was like what is, what's happening and it's like if for like like you said it was pro- for uh for you and i would be like oh yeah they're just my friends staying over like on yeah. tour."
0: but it's like most normal people like what is that <laughs> yeah it, se- it, it seems weird when you're not in it, probably, but, like, yeah, totally. Like, you have your friends crash when they need a place to crash. But then when you have these, like, adult guys lifting weights in the morning or whatever, right. it's a funny story. Yeah, not, not normal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you
3: you also strike me as a very, um, like, independent person. Like, you, you tend to... Um, Yeah. It seems like you have the confidence to kind of, you know, do things on your own without having to, um, I guess, look for validation, um, either from your friends or your parents or anything like that. You just like would kind of try stuff. Um, am I accurate in that? Or is that something that you've had to like, learn how to do?
0: No, I think, I think, um, trying stuff and like going for stuff is, uh, half like maybe being naive. (laughs) And then it's sometimes it's like, it's not necessarily confidence. It's just like not knowing any better. <laughs> so just going for it.
3: Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and do you, do you think that has anything to do with like, uh, obviously you being, um, you know, kind of, like I said, what we were joking about before, like first on the scene where it's like, you had to, you know, you don't have anybody else to look up to. You were just figuring it all out on your own.
0: Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, I know, yeah, there wasn't really anybody like I can't pinpoint any one person who's like, this, listen to this kind of music or this was the big influence because it was sort of just like a whole series of things that that influenced me and like made me do the things I did. So I don't think it – yeah, it wasn't one person. Um, so I don't know.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> did, I don't know. And obviously it's, since music was uh, introduced to you at such a young age, like when did you first start to kind of discover, um, you know, basically the difference between obviously concerts and shows where you started to, you know, go to these, um, these things that weren't just this huge event that obviously, you know, other people at your high school knew about or whatever. Um, did, did that just kind of come across you through friends or was it something that you just, uh, you know, seeked out on your own?
0: I, you know, I'm not entirely sure how it happened, but I have a feeling it had to do with like, um, Possibly like going, starting out going when I was thirteen or fourteen, going to like bigger shows, like no doubt <laughs> with the Vandals and things like that, and and then slowly like paying more attention to who the smaller bands were on the show. Even even something like the Vans Warped Tour, when you go to the Warped Tour and like you see the smaller bands, and then when they would come back, they would normally play like a smaller room in Montreal, but I would still want to go. But it was like not a not a thing where you got tickets off. Ticketmaster, you would have to go get them at the record store. And then when you're at the record store and then you see the listings for the other shows. And so kind of like a snowball, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also it was obviously it was like a totally different time. So there wasn't the internet or anything like that. So often it was just like word of mouth from other bands. So if other bands were mentioning bands they like, then I would think, oh, I want to find that band. And then I would look and see if they were coming and then I would go see them and then, just sort of like a like a domino effect like that.
1: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We're sitting here. It's like June. And you're like, where has the time gone? And everybody's like, Oh my gosh, I have no idea. I gotta like accomplish all these other things. Take a moment. Focus on the things that obviously for one matter to you. But for two, look back. Be like, what have I done well? What have I done not so well? And maybe I can, you know, ask some friends and family for some help. But where I have always gone to in regards to figuring out what I can do better, therapy. Therapy is an incredible tool at your arsenal that you can dip into. I've done it for my marriage. I've done it for myself personally, and I'm a huge advocate for what therapy can do for you because it is a third party that's able to look at what you can do to improve your life and be a person to help you along in your journey. And so I think if you were thinking And visit BetterHelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Ray.
0: High Five Casino Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games, right from Vegas, and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at high casinocom
1: High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary, void or prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions supply. See website for details at high the number five casino.com. High Five Casino.
2: Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time. All cards have two percent cash back on purchases and zero percent interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.
3: I'm here to tell you and interrupt this conversation about one of our amazing sponsors, SeatGeek. So those of you that look for tickets and hate the experience. This is the app for you. So first of all, pop open your phone, go to the app store, download SeatGeek, and then you'll be able to see the amazingness of this app. It shows you amazing tickets for sale. They don't upsell anything in the sense of like, oh my gosh, like I want to buy this ticket and then here's like $70 of charges and service fees. The price is up front and they tell you exactly what you're paying for. Plus, you can see the view from your seat at any concert it's amazing so like if you want to go see Drake if you want to go see Rihanna any of the cool things that are happening this summer there's a bunch of other stuff like at the drive-in go check them out I want you to use this app and there is a reason why because I will give you $20 well not me but SeatGeek will $20 off so download the app go to the settings tab and click add a promo code enter the promo code words w-o-r-d-s and you will get $20 off they'll send you 20 bucks PayPal. Cash. It's not cash. Check. Yeah, that's that's more reasonable. (laughs) So they'll send that to you. So please download the SeatGeek app. Look for the whatever amazing tickets you're looking to procure for yourself and maybe a loved one. And you will be able to enter the promo code words in the add a promo code on the settings tab. So don't forget words. Twenty dollars in your pocket. SeatGeek. Download it now. Do it up. I never like to harp on the issue that obviously it's like, Oh, you're a woman and you must feel different within the context of this. Cause that's been asked like 400,000 times. But like, <laughs> when did, uh, you know, like, when did you kind of notice like, Hey, this is kind of a, uh, you know, there's way more dudes than there are, you know, females. <laughs> like did that, did you like, obviously I presume you recognize it at some point. Um, and did it ever, you know, bother you or you're just like, Oh, I guess that's kind of the way it is.
0: There's a couple times that stand out to me of noticing, um, I would say that when I was a bit older and I was going to shows and my friends were in bands that were touring and I would go hang out with them backstage or something, you automatically get, you know, especially if there's some of the bigger rooms where there's security and whatever, you get looked at like, oh, you're hanging out backstage and you're a girl, you must be a local groupie or something. And you're like, um, are you like, are you actually kidding me? Like, you're not looking at the guys that are hanging out back here, like they're groupies. Why are you looking at me like that? So that, that definitely happened quite a bit. And then, um, there was, I did notice when I first started playing music, uh, and it was like more in like the uh, more of a different scene of people. I I noticed I wasn't really taken seriously. Um, And like trying to get shows was really difficult because it was just hard to hard to place. Like if you weren't like uh, the very weird references, but like the rocking horse winner or, or like the anniversary, like if you weren't something like that, then it was like hard for people to understand what I was trying to do. So it it became like, I, I had a lot of like, tough time booking me on shows like in that scene for a long time um, and I you know what it could have totally been because I sucked but it was also because I never saw other girls on the show so right. I don't I don't, know.
3: I don't know no it's a really interesting point because I actually I, I haven't really kind of pulled on that thread and that idea of like you're uh, you're, you're more apt to get a show, obviously, if you are a girl within this certain particular scene, because that is like, oh, yeah, well, that is like a known quantity where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I I, I I so distinctly remember it's like there. So uh, some of my friends played in like an all girl straight edge hardcore band from like, you know, the Pacific Northwest called To See You Broken. And mm-hmm. like... They were, um, you know, they got shows, but it was definitely one of those things because it was more of a a gimmick where it was like, oh, look at this, like, Mm -hmm. you know, a band full of girls playing straight edge hardcore. Um, Yeah. But like, yeah, if you're not, you don't, if there isn't someone that's kind of paved the way before you, it's really hard to, yeah, do your thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) independently and be like, hey, take me seriously.
0: Yeah, that's, that's kind of what, what I had felt. And inadvertently, that's when I got kind of more, I started playing with more, like, quote-unquote, like, indie stuff. It was because those were some of the other bands that were willing to play shows with me or, like, offered me shows or came to my shows. It just ended up being, like, more of that audience, Um, even though I was doing, like, Fugazi covers and, like, trying to... more interested in heavier music, it, those weren't the opportunities that I was getting at that time.
3: Mm-hmm. And yeah. so when, when did you, cause the, uh, bad flirt was like your first, I guess, band from like a sort of like touring perspective. Am I correct?
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay.
3: But I, but I presume before that you were, like you said, you were attempting to, um, you know, play in sort of different scenes. Like uh, walk me through kind of your first experiences. Like, was this like freshman year of high school or is this a little bit later this on where you was, were doing stuff?
0: I I had a band in high school that was called Danny Flash.
3: Wait, wait <laughs> um, the, say, say that again. Dink Flash? <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> Danny Flash. Oh, uh, okay.
3: Sorry. But uh,
0: we never played any shows with that band. That was just like we kind of recorded a bunch of stuff and and never even thought about doing shows. But then after I graduated high school, I really liked the idea. I was kind of just sick of seeing other people tour and like I couldn't tour. So I... Um, I was touring under the name Bad Flirt, but I was doing it solo, and I was just traveling on Greyhound, and I would just, like, kind of do a week or two at a time, just solo, mostly solo acoustic, and then it was um, solo electric with, like, loops and stuff, and um, that, that's, after doing that for a little bit, I, I realized sort of, like, people would appreciate a band more or it's like hard to keep doing a solo thing um my first show was one with um, Jonah Matringa who was like a pretty good um was like very influential when I first started Mm -hmm. um and then yeah and then yeah I I built that into a, a band because I just thought well I was getting sick of it too but it was easier to play shows or like get your point across when you were a band as opposed to one person trying to control an audience, especially because I was booking with, I wasn't booking, like, um, solo singer-songwriter shows. I was booking with, like, like I played with Buried Inside or something. Like, I was playing with other bands, but it was just, like, it felt a little out of place at a certain point. It felt like the change had to happen where it became a band.
3: Right, right. No, that's, I yeah. I, I mean, even though that, that stuff was definitely um, more... Um, like w- you know when you would see you know band i mean i 'm so glad you mentioned buried inside Cause i I fucking love that band, but they <laughs> I, I just love the notion where it's like it, even though it was at a place for like you know a singer song but you know you to get up there and kind of play your songs um it was definitely you know a little more of the norm where it's like you weren't going to see you know four bands sounding exactly the same playing all the same show, but you know you were still. You yourself were obviously sticking out a little bit, um, mm-hmm. but I could see where the, it's it's more appealing to be like, hey, I can play more shows when I'm, when I'm a yeah. unit <laughs> as opposed to just by myself.
0: Yeah, exactly.
3: And so was it uh, was it like, did you ever have that sort of intimidation factor of going to these shows and playing where you were like, I know that people aren't going to like me because of this particular show? <laughs> um, or, or was it just like, whatever, I'll do it?
0: Um, it was, it got to a point where I was sort of into like pissing people off too, where I was just like, Oh, I know you're going to hate this. Like, (laughs) or sometimes, you know, sometimes it wasn't all bad. Sometimes people got that. It was like, um, that we were all coming from the same place. Just my creative output was different than their creative output was. Um, so it was was cool though. And I, I got to play like a lot of different kinds of shows. And I think that was Really important because I got to see like play everything from like a big show to a house show to like different sized rooms, different kinds of bands. I really just got to try out everything and get a better idea for what like a live experience is. Mm -hmm. So yeah.
3: Did you have any other, I guess, aspirations or trajectory in your own head beyond uh, playing, you know, whatever, getting on the Greyhound bus and obviously trying to like make music a thing in your life? Um, like, did you care about school? Were you doing anything that was uh, sort of uh, academically focused on like, oh, this could turn into a career if I focused on this?
0: Um, I did. I went to, I have a degree in communication studies, um, but I had, on, I honestly, I got the I got into the program and then I used the sand studio to record <laughs> a lot of the records that I put out as bad flirt. So it was kind of just like, well, this might help what I want to do. Um, and made a lot of great connections in the program. I work with Jonathan at arts and crafts records here in Canada, who was a classmate of mine there. <laughs> um, so it was, it was a great time, but I think I just wanted a degree and that one would help me, make music
3: and have a degree at the same time. So. Got it. Yeah. It's, it's, that seems, um, I mean, this is something I was going to hit on a little bit later, but, um, just because the, uh, obviously what you're doing with, with no joy and, um, you know, you guys too were a decent amount, but at the same time, like the band doesn't seem to be so, um, I guess all consuming with you, where it's like, obviously, you know, you have a day job, like you're able to return home and have some sort of sense of a, a normal life. Um, is that an important balance for you to have, or would you like the ability to just be like, oh yeah, I just, I'm going to tour 10 months out of the year
0: and that's kind of it. You know, what's crazy is that it's, it actually is all consuming. Okay. <laughs> um, it actually is to like a terrifying degree, um, because even when we're not touring like this with, with no joy anyway, we, we're not touring right now, but we just recorded three EPs. Um, because like, even if we're just sitting around, we always try and find Something to do, or we're using that time to plan out what we're gonna do next. So, yeah, I, I, it is weirdly all consuming, um, especially if you're on an album cycle. So, we all do have day jobs, but they're kind of just they're they're just that they're day jobs. They're they don't stay with us after hours. Whereas the the band is like we're always thinking of something to do. Right. So yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's we
3: yeah (laughs) yeah i mean i I guess the way that because you know obviously a lot of people that that start bands and aspire to you know be in like you said this sort of all-consuming thing like yeah no matter what you're doing from a creative pursuit you are pretty much consumed by that so i I totally get that but the um i guess the 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 parallels that i'm trying to draw are the fact that um since you, you are able to return home and like you literally don't just like you know sit at home you you know you hustle and you work and you do you kind of fall back into a schedule that, you know, other people that don't tour can understand. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I find that people um, that kind of remove that layer from their life then are kind of, uh, you know, vaulted into uh, a world that it's like, you know, they, they can't identify with the, you know, the day-to-day right. struggles and all that sort of stuff. So,
0: well, that was one thing that, that I, I thought was really important with no joy was that, I never wanted to do anything with the band that I didn't want to do or didn't think was a good idea. And I know a lot of bands that their, their livelihood is touring. So they tour, they take every tour because they want a paycheck or they need to make the money or they need to sell the merch. And I never wanted to do a tour that I didn't think was a good idea, or I didn't want to do a tour that was just because I needed to pay my rent. Like like I, I wanted to make sure that any show we played was, was good for the band. And when you have a backup, day job and all of our day jobs are are completely rewarding and great as well but when you have something like that you the pressure isn't always to make money with your band you can kind of think of it more in a creative headspace and more of a money not being the like final the the thing that's the most important to your decision making
3: right so no yeah. that's that that's good i like the way that you're i like the way that you phrase that because yeah it's it doesn't it doesn't put you in a desperate position, like you said, to, you know, do these things that might feel uncomfortable or just basically tiring to be like, yeah. oh, we have to do this because otherwise yeah. like, we can't make rent or whatever.
0: Yeah. And there's other things that come up, obviously, when you're in a band, when they're when, um, like, for example, when we recorded our last record and we had sort of we were kind of had an ultimatum where we needed to finish recording, but we didn't know where we we're going to go. And the option was to go to Costa Rica. And it was like because we had, we all had independently, we had our own money that was like, you know what, we can take two weeks and I'll go to Costa Rica and record that, that, that security was there so that we could take chances as a band and push ourselves to do things that wouldn't immediately return money, but we had the safety net that we were able to do it. So having that, that little backup always kind of allows us to think about things in the big picture, as opposed to just like and getting that money right, right
3: away yeah. <laughs> as opposed to like the hand the hand to mouth scenario yeah
0: yeah exactly
3: right um and so then uh, as you started to uh turn you know your your solo work in a uh, bad flirt into a uh, band was that more towards like the end of high school and kind of like when you were going to university
0: yeah that was that was in university okay um and a little bit past university too as
3: well okay and yeah. did the um Like once you kind of got a first taste of of touring, was that like it for you? Like you really obviously enjoyed the experience of of being out the road and like having those those sort of interactions?
0: Yeah, I think um, up until like no joy, I actually had a a very severe fear of flying, which my sister also had. (laughs) Um, So I had never actually traveled anywhere but by car or by train. Um, so touring was like a way for me to see stuff and like travel, but not have to deal with flying, which I do all the time now, but with Bad Flirt, I was just able to kind of explore, um, at least America and Canada and like see all these places and see all this stuff that I'd never seen before, but like not have to fly to get there. Um, and then, yeah, just like the, the whole nature of like, we would, we would book our shows and our tours ourselves too. So it was a total... Um, was with my boyfriend at the time, Evan, who who books festivals now and has book shows for over a decade. And we were just, it was totally like a learning experience to um, learn how, how networking and how to book shows and how to web venues and promoters and learning how to do deals and just understanding like the whole business. And it was totally like that that's why when once we started Nojade because Laura and Nojade was in Bad Flirt as well with me and she was like a baby but that was like where we learned kind of how touring works so by the time we got to Nojade we were like okay we know what we want to do we don't we learned all our lessons in Bad Flirt. we can kind of tour the way we want to you now
3: right right yeah. Did the, uh, did the business stuff, just because you were, since you were booking shows on your own before uh, you turned it into a, a band, um, <clears throat> did the business stuff always kind of come naturally to you? Or, or was that um, you had no idea what you were doing and uh, you just, you, you basically made a lot of mistakes in order to build up to what your knowledge base you have now?
0: totally mistakes totally mistakes and it's so funny because because some of the emails we still have and we'll look at and be like oh my god we emailed like emailed ATP to ask if we could get on the My Bloody Valentine curated show or whatever like it's like that was so stupid but we got a response <laughs> you know and like some of the some of the stuff was just like wow that was so stupid like I, sometimes it worked out though like when we jokingly asked to open for this Canadian band Headley, and the promoter was like, no, but do you want to open for the kills? We're like, uh-oh, that's even bigger than the show we asked for. Uh-oh. So there's a lot of like just not knowing what we're doing but not caring either and just going for it. Um, but, I mean, we made a lot of mistakes mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. So in the the first year with No Joy, um, I didn't really put my name on a lot of stuff or I didn't – I wouldn't sign – I would have Laura sign it or – Kind of just wanting to make a disassociation, just in case people would kind of remember, like, oh yeah, she was annoying and asked for a show like every two weeks or something. That um, they wouldn't think it was the same, the same band,
3: right? right. You know, it'd be like,
0: that's a fresh start, different person.
3: But, sure, yeah, no, you, yeah, you you have no idea who I am. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm brand new.
3: <laughs> right, <laughs> I was that person that punished you a year yes. ago.
0: <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but no, it's definitely and like it's it's funny too because there's a lot of promoters. And people that we met years ago. I mean, yeah, there's so many friends that we made touring with with Bad Flirt that are now doing other really cool things and working for cool venues and cool promotion companies and, like, doing amazing stuff. But we're both like, remember when we were doing those shitty things? (laughs) Remember when we met and we were on that terrible tour together? Right. So, yeah. (laughs)
3: uh, Just because I I find the the mistakes that people make in those early uh, years to be so... um, You know, usually pretty funny. Like, do you you have a sort of anecdotal story in your own head of like, oh, I mean, obviously the My Bloody Valentine thing is is very comical, (laughs) uh, but do you have anything else kicking around your head where it's like, oh yeah, we did, I did did this thing and uh, I couldn't believe that I did this.
0: The the worst mistake we ever made was we, the first like national US tour that we got was with, uh, I believe an Irish band that I... Won't name because I don't want to shit talk, but, like, they fucking suck. Sure. Um, um, but we didn't know any better. We didn't – I didn't drive at the time. We didn't have, like, a van. So so they offered to, like, share a van and a driver, which, like, rule of thumb, if you're going to tour with somebody for a month or whatever, don't be in the same van. Like, unless you're the same band or you really like each other, like, don't share – like, we didn't know these people. So we got into the van, and then it was instantly like, oh, we hate you. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Um, And the the driver that they quote unquote hired was just like their drunk friend who never showed up and was like always just it it was really quite a messy thing where we just sort of like entrusted this bigger band who kind of knew how to tour to like have us hop on. But they were actually ripping us off and charging us more to split the van than what it actually was. So it was sort of just like we were hoping somebody else would be kind and like show us the way. But they were actually just trying to rip us off
3: right they were yeah. like hey thanks for the equipment <laughs> yeah yeah
0: exactly exactly it was pretty much like terrible but perfect. they they suck and they never did anything again so that's okay
3: that's perfect yeah <laughs> i definitely the uh the story that i remember that uh I, I, it was the fact like i remember getting uh paid you know whatever 100 200 for a local show we played and then uh, like, you know, the promoter handed me the money and then I was like, turning away and walking off. And then he's like, Ray, what are you doing? I was like, but what? He's like, count the money in front of me. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, you're like, he's like, okay, you know me and you trust me. But when you're in some place, you don't know the promoter. Like, it's your word against his. And the moment you leave the room and didn't count the money. And I was like, oh,
0: shit, you're right. <laughs> God. It's true, totally. It's true, and you would never know that someone's got to tell you that. Like, don't trust everybody. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But
3: yeah. yeah so it, it, those those are the the smallest, stupidest things, and you feel dumb in the moment, but then once you walk away, you're just like, oh my god, I literally learned a lesson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Um, and so the uh, obviously once I mean, because was Bad flirt actually like signed? Like, did you guys sign to a label up in up in Canada?
0: we did we we had put out some releases on our own and then we signed to an imprint of universal here in quebec and it was sort of a crazy like bizarre we were their first english release they did mostly hip-hop we were not hip-hop they had a lot of like branding ideas that were totally really silly and like kind of shameless like events to play and things like that um so, yeah, we, we, we did have our record Virgin Talk came out with them. Right. And yeah.
3: the, uh, the reason you mentioned English speaking, because I know that there are a lot of people who aren't familiar with the, the fact that uh, there's a, a very distinct line in um, oh, yes. In, yes. Mont- yes. in Montreal. <laughs> I remember the first time uh, I played a show up there was uh, played, and I'm sure you're going to remember the venue, the uh, Café Intercontinental. Of whatever.
0: course, Yes
3: dude well first of all i had no, i had no idea up until like the third or fourth time i played there that it was also it was like an a, a. Oh. yeah
0: because
3: <laughs> i was i always was i like was so bizarre where i'm like why are these old people hanging out out front it's so
0: weird yeah i know it's like they just like music they're just here for the show too but like actually no <laughs> yeah. yeah and i was it's like weird. why
3: yeah i was like why are they sitting by chessboards? they want yeah. someone to play with them i guess
0: that's what I remember too. It was just so many games, like a game room up front. Like, okay, it's cool, like totally. board games and stuff.
3: It's like the. It's like thanks for giving me the heads up, Dave Boucher.
0: Oh, <laughs> I love Dave. I think he did my show there too once. Oh yeah, um, best, dude, the best best dude. Yeah,
3: but the um. So, anyways, but I just remember going up there and then like be like noticing and obviously having people explain to me like. Oh, there is definitely a, a sense of pride around the fact that you know we don't speak English and like that that is your thing. And that, yeah, that is not so much our thing. So obviously there was a you know a very clear decision on your part, obviously with Bad Flirt to you know, sing in English and be a part of that. Um, was, it, was yeah, that, was that difficult or weird or was it just like no, it's the kind of the way that I needed to do it?
0: Well, it's just sort of weird because I was discussing this with somebody yesterday. It's that if you don't know that Montreal is. Primarily French-speaking, it's like yeah, three million people. But how many of those people are English, and how many of those people care about English-speaking music? It's very, very. It's a much smaller community. Um, we we just happen to all speak English. So I, if I sang in French, it would be like the same thing as if I sang in Japanese. Like it's just not the language I speak. So, um, but the minute you're you you sing or you your um, your music's in English, you're immediately like relegated to only reaching a very small demographic within music listening community in Quebec. So you're also, um, there's not as many sort of opportunities because there's not as many, let's say festivals or um, government grant money available to you if you sing in English. Um, but at the same time, a lot of people who only sing in French, they're once you make it in Quebec, like you never have to leave Quebec so one of my favorite things is seeing people who are like huge in Quebec trying to tour America. And when they, they they play to like thousands of people in Quebec, but then they go play for like 50 people in Philadelphia. It's like a real reality check. And I love when that happens because it's very insular in Quebec. And they think that if you're just once you make it here, there's there's nowhere else you need to go. Right. Um. But yeah, we, we were just saying in English because that was that's
3: the language we speak so. right right
0: yeah
3: <laughs> no I I, th- I I love that that picture you paint there because yeah it definitely is such a, a bizarre thing like uh, did, there was also um this is you've been going further back in my memory banks but uh, i played in quebec city and there was a band called uh was, i think they were called chips if i'm not mistaken okay but they were kind of like a pop punk band or whatever mm-hmm. but it was like okay. they headlined this festival and it was like you know a bunch of like whatever relatively well-known like punk and hardcore bands and -hmm. i was like why is this random like local band headlining yeah and then i watched them play and i was like oh jesus christ that's why they're yeah and yeah and then that's when it became clear to me that it was like oh you can like you can literally just tour quebec in that province and like like you said that's it like you've made it
0: yeah it's i mean on one hand it's really cool because imagine you only ever had to drive like your tour could be just like within your province and that's it But um, I don't think that exists like people that live in, you know, Washington state, like there's a, you only tour Washington state and you're, you're big only in Washington state. Like it's more because it's not the same thing as just being like a popular local band. It's like a. Quebec sometimes views themselves as their own nation, so they think it's like a it's like a national act. So once you've made it here, you're up for awards, and you have your own music video station, your top forty radio stations. It's it's a whole a whole culture, but to be part of it, you have to. You have to sing in French, so right. it's it's you play very like yeah. That's like you either play the game or you don't, and that's really where that's it. Like, there's no mistaking,
3: right? No, I just yeah. I love that. I like I like the analogy you did there, where it's like yeah, I can't even like in my wildest dreams fathom like you know. All right, a band is big in Nevada, and they're going to tour <laughs> Reno and Vegas and like Carson City. It's like what are you talking about? And then like
0: the state of Nevada will pay them and give them subsidies to like continue creating their art, and like they'll win and. Nevada Music Award like it's really it's like a whole thing but but that's that's it's a very powerful province and there's a lot of money and they are very supportive of the arts but they're also supportive to like you know continue supporting the French heritage and that includes popular upcoming French-speaking music acts.
2: Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.
1: What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X. And modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at IBM.com/slash consulting. IBM. Let's create
3: Excuse the interruption again. I must tell you about another amazing sponsor of ours called Weebly. So Weebly is for people that have no idea how to build a website. I know all of you have experienced this where you're like, oh, I got a great idea, I gotta get this out of my head. But you don't know how to do this. So Weebly is going to solve that for you. Basically, I've used the service. It's incredible. I really, really believe in what they do because basically you, it's super customizable. You can drag and drop photos. You can publish immediately. You can use it on multiple different platforms. You can truly customize whatever it is you want to do. So what I want to do is offer this to you. So basically, go to weebly.com slash words. That's W E E bly.com/words and join the 30 million people that are using this service. There's no reason that you do you need to be like messing with code and basically butchering your website. Weebly will make you look at prof- look professional and get your stuff out there to the world so please get the idea out there it'll be fun with with Bad Flirt you were uh, I would kind of classify like you you were definitely doing the more sort of alternative rockish thing or were you guys trying for something um, in your own heads I mean just yeah I'm placing yeah. a genre tag on you that might not be <laughs> fair but that's kind that's of, okay that's the way that I viewed it
0: um, that I you know what's weird it's like that to me I didn't know what it sounded like and I thought kind of thought it sounded like I always thought it sounded like my Bloody valentine or something like that was like in my head what it should be but the execution of how we recorded it sometimes or where we did it or how we arranged it we were just not sophisticated enough to know that it would just turn out sounding just sort of indie pop Mm -hmm. Um, but everything from the writing point of view it was definitely like a, a harder rock thing and it just sort of ended up being a little bit poppier
3: right I I really like that notion too of when you have a specific vision in your head of like what it is you want to sound like and like that's just, that's just no matter what is created it'll always be viewed through that lens mm-hmm. and you'll be like oh well, yeah we well, sound like that and then you know a person that's next to you is like what are you talking about you have, you don't sound anything like that band
1: <laughs> like but, but no yeah. I
0: do like I mean that happens to me all the time now all the time like I, like for sure all the time now. Um, but at the time I think with Baffler, it was just, it was very naive. It was very just like, let's do this. Okay. Like there was no real, nobody was telling us like, don't use a micro It sounds really fucking annoying. Don't use it like, (laughs) or like put reverb on your voice or like any, anything like that. Nobody was guiding us to do anything. We were sort of just steering our own ship. And because of that, it was, it just came out, um, Wherever we recorded it, just sort of came out sounding the way it did. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um,
3: And so, your experience with obviously, as you were mentioning to me, with the the sort of major label system and, uh, you know, kind of putting, trying to put you in places that you might not have felt comfortable with from, you know, either just doing weird shows and, um, you know, being marketed a certain way. um, Did it leave you with kind of a a sour taste in your mouth or you're just like, well, I'm not going to experience that again?
0: Oh, for sure. It was, it really like, we, Babford left, um, Montreal and we collectively as a band minus Laura, Laura stayed in Montreal, but we all moved to LA and we all went there thinking like, let's meet with studios. Let's try recording. Let's play on the in the LA scene or whatever. So we were going to, we were meeting at studios and it was just, it was, it didn't feel right at all. Um, and so it, it ended up just being like the dissolution of that band and, I stayed a while after in LA and I had been talking to Laura and that's where we came up with no joy was that we just wanted to do something that like, there's no press photos, there's no like tagline, there's no marketing. There's just like, it's inaccessible for a long time. We wanted it to be just instrumental, um, and like combining really, really heavy with really, really poppy and just trying to go like something that was not something that would attract, (laughs) um, anything like we had experienced at baffler and that's yeah it was that's how it kind of transitioned into no
3: it was uh, interesting so that was a complete and direct reaction to everything you experienced
0: yeah i mean it was like a like the the drummer with baffler that we had been working with was just like stars in his eyes kind of guy for for better or for worse and really wanted to like meet with the major label and talk to studio guys and like, let's work the scene. And in all honesty, it was also a weird time for music where like, I feel like the the record label system was sort of shifting in a way where like A&R guys maybe didn't exist. But if you had a song on MySpace, you could like get stuff going or you viral stuff was happening where I don't know. Like it, it felt like there was definitely a shift happening Um in terms of independent labels that I was listening to as well, that I was finding a lot more interesting things coming from there. So we definitely just wanted to do something that was like, it really began as just something for ourselves where it was like, let's just do things our way. Um, and then we we had booked a show before we had any songs and we're like, okay, I guess we have to figure out how to actually do this. Like it was just like the business end of me was like, stay busy, do something. So we, we booked a show um, opening for Grant Hart of Husker du, but like we didn't have a band <laughs> or anything. So we had to like throw it together. We tried to do this ambitious thing where it was like me and Laura and then two drummers and everything was very like symmetrical. And it was just, it was coming from more of a creative like art point of view, but then yeah. in a, a complete reaction to like going to LA and like trying to, I don't know, win over some, some deal or something.
3: Right. Did you, <laughs> yeah. so, so you actually, how long did you live in LA for?
0: Oh, not very long. It was maybe five months or something. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
3: So you, yeah, you, you, you got your taste. I, got it.
0: <laughs> I still love that city, but it was just the way we were doing, it was not right. And it for whatever reason, it was just like, it wasn't the right timing. Mm-hmm.
3: Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, and so, you know, kind of, looking at obviously no joy and the, the evolution, like, cause I definitely think the way that you were probably, um, looking at what you were doing with uh, bad flirt and then what no joy sounds like, I definitely, I, I can easily see the comparisons drawn where it's like, oh yes yeah, like, you know, dream pop, all those, whatever horrible adjectives you can put on. <laughs> um, so I, I could see that. Um, but it's so funny because I like in almost in preparing for speaking to you today, I can't tell you how many stupid pieces i've saw written on you or your band where everyone was just like oh it's kind of you know like i I get that they're going for you know the whole fuzzy dream pop thing but like you know it's it's kind of it's kind of shitty how you can't hear their vocals and like you can't (laughs) i'm just like it 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 blows my mind that it's like people uh it seems like one person writes about something and then that's like kind of what everybody focuses on um is, the, is that just, I guess, endlessly tiring for you to be like, oh, well, um, uh, sorry, I guess. Like, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> for sure. I know it's like, yeah, especially if you, I mean, one big publication will run a story and my name will have a typo in it. And then every other publication puts the <laughs> typo or that Laura sings. Laura's never sung a note in her life, but like there, she sings on the records apparently, you know? So they, yeah, sometimes there's, There's um, that was part of the problem with Noser is because we didn't do any press material. So we didn't want to do any bio or any, any pictures. But then because we didn't do that, it was sort of open to interpretation. So people would interpret that like, there's two girls, they must be singing harmonies together. It's like, no, actually, (laughs) that's not it at all, but okay. Um, So yeah, I don't know. I think that's because we didn't like explicitly say like, this is uh we are trying to do this. This is our objective. <laughs> um, the fact that you can't hear the vocals all the time or that it's this or that, that was just like, People didn't know if it was intentional or not. I guess.
3: Right. (laughs) Did you did you make a mistake
1: on that? Yeah. Like, did
0: you leave that in on purpose? Because it sounds pretty weird. Like, actually, obviously, (laughs) I've heard this three trillion times. Like, by the time it's pressed, I've heard it a billion times. It's on purpose. Trust me.
3: Yeah. (laughs) This this is what they call calculated and not. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Totally um and so the uh one one thing i always like to pull on too in regards to uh you know touring and obviously the uh something that you've addressed personally in regards to when when you leave for you know even if it's a week on tour obviously when you return home there's that um weird feeling of like you know trying to um get acclimated to your life back at home and how you know your friends change and relationships change and all that uh that notion of um, you essentially still feel like the same person, but then you're just like, oh, well, dude, what happened to that coffee shop or whatever, you know, using those anecdotal <laughs> yeah. experiences. Um, th- that seemed like something that's really kind of fascinated you. So how, I-, I guess in a long-winded way of asking, like the the relationships that you've obviously had, because you've-, you've dated people for a, a, you know, a decent amount of time to like be able to learn how to acclimate to life on the road. And, um, you know, what sort of lessons have you learned in order to be like, I guess, feel more comfortable, I guess, at yeah. home
0: with that. It's funny, yeah, because y- you go on tour and then anyone that's been on tour, you know, like, you know, if you hit San Francisco like four times in a cycle, you're like, I know that coffee shop and I know that thing across the street and I know that guy that does that over there and, like, you know your area. And so in every city in America, like, I know stuff, but then you would come back to your own city and you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait, I haven't been here in a while. I'm like, how come that changed? What's happening there? Um, and then I guess when you get to be a certain age too, certain changes happen with your friends or people that you're close with where people move away or they get pregnant, they get married, they all these things happen. But time sort of stops when you're on the road because as you know, like the goal is get up, get to show, sound check, find food, play your show, get to bed as soon as possible so that you can get then to the next show. And like your your goals are sort of immediate and like you're just trying to keep things rolling and get to your next show and get through everything um but that doesn't take that that doesn't like that sort of thinking doesn't happen sometimes when you're like living your life <laughs> at home and you don't have this like goal every day to to get to a show and drive eight hours do whatever um so especially on the last runs of touring that we did there was personally a lot of changes that happened um and I I like to think that people who play music or enjoy touring are sort of cursed because you have this thing that you have to do and you don't know why you have to do it, but you have to do it. And it kind of fucks up other things in your life, but you don't know why and you have to do it. Um, And I've talked to my sister about this, too. too, when you get home from tour and you're just sort of like. What do I do now? And then you think of all these things that you could do because you never had time to do them before. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a painting and I'm gonna like go to the gym five days a week because I've got all this time. Um, but it, it, some people, that's that's your, that's real life though. Right. <laughs> when you have, when you have time to have hobbies or hang out with friends. Um, so touring ends up being this like blessing and a curse where you get to meet people and make friends all over the world and see many places and play shows and continue with your art. But at the same time, you're sort of sacrificing things. And then you look back and I'm like, okay, I've been touring with Laura for, for over a decade now. That's like a lot of time in a van we've spent together. Like, have I slept in a bed next to Laura more than... (laughs) Like some people are dated I guess because right. we've just been together like you know you do these things and you're just like constantly together so yeah so I, I don't know it, it's I think it happened definitely late 20s where there's a lot of changes and people start making their own big life moves and then if you just happen to be away most of the time you you miss out on a lot of it
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. does that uh, does that notion scare you in some respects it
0: did, but at the same time, it didn't. It did because I thought it became, like, a scapegoat for, like, well, I don't have to do that. I have to leave anyway. Like, oh, this mm. this sort of, like, thing? Oh, but I'm going to be gone all year, so I'm not going to have time to do it. So there's – it's sort of that notion where you're able to think of, like, big decisions that you might have to make. Well, you can put them off because you know you've got all these other things immediately you have to think about. Um, but I, I do enjoy touring, and I like it, and um, – I think I have a support system around me that that knows that I like it and knows that it comes with the with the territory so uh I think I don't know I think it's just like like I said it's like some people it's a blessing and a curse
3: <laughs> Well it's a, it, I mean essentially obviously it's a part of who you are it's like the uh the idea that uh, you know if a person is signing up to be obviously in a relationship with you they need to know <laughs> that this is this is also a very important important component of what it yeah. is who you are and it's not like they would <laughs> if a person was <laughs> to try to date you and then all of a sudden be like you know six months into the relationship and be like hey so you're not gonna leave right
0: <laughs> <laughs> no I mean and my boyfriend Jeremy and I it's like when we started dating like I think I was gone we did the math and we're like actually we haven't hung out that much because <laughs> it's like you know it's been a year or something, but like uh you know, I've been gone most of the time. But it's you know, it's still it's it's part of the territory. It's the same thing though, you know, if somebody's a lawyer and then they work long hours and they're at the office usually till ten o'clock at night and they get up at seven in the morning and they you know, they're working cases all the time. It's just this is the life choices we've made. So hmm you
3: know yeah definitely yeah like you said it, it or just it's it's a part of you this is, yeah. <laughs> this, is yeah. this is what's happening regardless <laughs> of who's around me <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um the last thing i want to hit on before i let you go just because i find it um uh interesting because the uh like your day job like the work that you do at the how do you pronounce the agency that you work for uh, dulceco dulceco um yeah. and so basically you are a a model scout is am i correct
0: um agent Okay.
3: So basically you, you, you work with a, uh, you know, a, a handful of girls to help, uh, place them in fashion magazines, you know, commercial spreads, like whatever. Um, is that correct?
0: Yeah, Girls and Guys.
3: Okay, Girls Ain't Guys. And how yeah. how did that kind of manifest itself? Because that seems obviously uh, kind of incongruent to the idea of <laughs> of like, you know, all right, here's this, you know, girl who has been raised within the context of like punk and hardcore and independent music. Yeah. And, you know, where does uh, sort of fashion and modeling, like where does that come into play?
0: Um, it's kind of funny. It's actually, it was the winter, like 2009, when Laura and I started No Joy and then I... I found this agency that was they were just starting there was only two guys and they were just building a, a modeling agency and I had previously worked in different capacities throughout school like in casting and TV and I kind of had a background in it. So I told them like I'm willing to help you start this agency, but you have to know that I'm going to want to tour sometimes. So as long as you're okay with me at times leaving for months at a time, like if, as long as you're okay with that, I'm more than willing to like put in the energy to help this get off the ground. And it was kind of crazy because both Nojoy and Delcedo at the same time sort of like started becoming a lot more um, busy than I thought they would have. And now the agency is huge and like it, it's crazy. I'm, I'm there right now and it's crazy how big it is and how many people work here and how many models we represent. Um, so and, and working as an agent also prepared me for working with our agents. So whenever I work with our booking agents, I try and be like a very good client because I, I have personal model clients who are not nice. So so I know what it's like when you're on the other end of things and you're pushing for somebody and they, they're not giving you the respect. So I was trying to respect our agents and be really professional. Um, so it just sort of like came out of nowhere at the same time that I started No Joy, And so for the past six years or whatever, my life has just been divided by these two things.
3: Right. And do people mm-hmm. find it I presume find it fascinating the fact that you probably
0: like in a band and it's
3: probably kind of a, a, a curiosity of like oh this is interesting
0: sometimes yeah there's a, there's a weird crossover sometimes where like there's like a shoe magazine that comes out next week that like they cast models all the time but this issue they casted like influencers in Montreal and so they asked Laura and I to be in it so like we're so this time when they're we're talking about the magazine The Office about the models they cast it, I had to be like actually guys I'm in it <laughs> it's actually like the models aren't in it they just cast like a bunch of musicians so I'm in it this, this time right. so sometimes there's like those overlap things where we've played like fashion events and things like that where some of my coworkers would be like what is this I'm like I know I'm here but it's like I'm not here as an agent I'm here as a musician so yeah there's some weird crossover but I try and keep them as separate as I can. <laughs> right. Well, I'm
3: sure it's fun because they, they, like you mentioned before, it's like one kind of benefits the other. Like you have the knowledge of what it's like to be, uh, you know, having someone else speak on your behalf. If it's like a manager or, you know, a promoter or whatever, it's like, there's a certain level of um, understanding that you have that you may be able to, uh, identify with the models that you represent because they know that you've been through it too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, when we play Paris or we play Milan or London, we, uh, Some of the models that we have there, based there, come out and hang out. So, so, (laughs) yeah, it's so rad. (laughs) You're like, I'm just gonna invite some of my
3: model friends out. Just look
0: at the, yeah. If you see any like seven foot tall glamazons, they're for me.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's so amazing.
0: Yeah.
3: (laughs) Well, I really appreciate you hanging out. This has been uh, incredibly fun for me, and I think. Thank you. We went to some fun places. So there was Jasmine. How nice of a conversation was that I love to have the uh, the whole Montreal French music scene like that just really really is interesting to me so I was glad we got to explore that and discuss it and hopefully uh, you come away a little bit smarter about that whole music scene up there and how it's crazy that bands can exist in a like 400 mile radius and uh, that's it <laughs> so anyways thank you very much Jasmine I appreciate it they're uh, on tour right now in Europe I think they're in Tel Aviv right now like today as you if you listen to this today, When the podcast gets released But um, yeah, check them out Really, really good stuff And uh, the music for this show Is supplied by Lowercase Noises As always, a great band Just Google Lowercase Noises And you will be able to find it on the interwebs And uh, download and support it Because if you like those little um, erythral tunes You will like whatever else he's got going on there And visit the show's website 100wordspodcast.com Email the show if you want to say hello Or give ideas about other guests I should have 100 words podcast at gmail.com and the guest next week is Jesse Leach from kill switch engage talk about a wide variety of people I have on here right I'm, I'm always impressed with I have the one guest and then the next guest is like completely left of center but then they come from the same cloth I don't know I just love that stuff so anyways until next week please be safe everybody You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.
1: The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.
0: The following is a high-five moment from HighFiveCasino.com. Welcome
1: to- Apple pie today. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie. I just went big time playing high five casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards over 1200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie. Woo-ha! I won again. I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at high five High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void we're prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High
2: five, high five casino. casino. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba financial credit union, choose a card with benefits. That work for you. For a limited time, all cards have two percent cash back on purchases and zero percent interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kebba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June thirtieth, twenty twenty-four.